Hello and welcome to the Mind Body Fertility Podcast. I'm Fran, a fertility mindset coach. And this is Jen, and I'm a functional fertility coach. In this podcast, we talk about a range of mind body topics, all relevant to your fertility journey. From evidence based tools to sharing about our own and our clients' experiences when it comes to optimizing health, improving your chances of getting pregnant, and also enhancing your quality of life. You are not alone. Our goal with this podcast is to support you in getting pregnant, to be the friends who get it. And that's why in each episode, we bring together functional healthcare and mindset tools that will help you get pregnant. We are super passionate about what we do and want to support as many people as possible. You know how lonely trying to conceive can be. So please subscribe to this podcast and even better, leave a review so that more people can find us. Do you have any questions for us? We would love to hear from you and answer your questions in our next episode. You can send your questions via email to mind body fertility podcast at gmail.com now let's get started hello friends and welcome back to the mind body fertility podcast i am excited to bring to you another solo episode today this is fertility coach jen and today I wanted to talk about fertility optimization and like, what does that even mean? I think we can get so, so hyper-focused on one specific thing all the time. And so I wanted to kind of break down what fertility optimization means and make sure that, um, you know, you come, you walk away from this podcast with the understanding that when you're struggling to get pregnant, it's easy to just want to find the one magical thing that's going to change everything for you. But we want to make sure that we are incorporating, including all of the factors that really come into play when it comes to fertility. So, Fertility optimization, what does that even mean? So essentially, we want to um, prepare your body for, um, you know, for pregnancy, um, which includes making sure that, you know, the fertilized embryo implants correctly, making sure that cell division happens properly, making sure that hormone production is optimal to support that pregnancy and just you know making sure that everything just lines up how it's supposed to so that you in the end you come back you come home with a happy healthy baby really that's all anybody ever wants right and um you know it's this may seem complex when I'm talking about fertility optimization and um, you know all the things that come along with it, but it's really it's not complex, um, and so I I want to break it down for you that in a way that I hope is very helpful for you, 
um, and really helps you to understand that focusing on just one thing, hyper-focusing on your diet only or hyper-focusing on, um, you know, losing weight or hyper-focusing on, um, you know, just like removing toxins from your household. It's not just the one thing. Everything needs to fall into place. And of course, that being said, everybody's different and dealing with different things when it comes to their fertility journey. And I completely understand that. Um, and I do, I mean, I, I understand that when I work with all of my clients, you know, they're all of their journeys and their stories are similar, but there's a lot of differences in them as well. Um, but we also know that the body is, there are some foundational things that our body needs to be healthy. Um, and with that health comes fertility as well. So let's break it down here. So the first one I wanted to talk about is egg quality and within egg quality, I don't, I'm, I'd, going to try not to go down a rabbit hole here, but there's, um, you know, a couple things that we want to talk about when it comes to egg quality. So when we think of egg quality, we usually think of, oh, you know, somebody that's, you know, 35, 40 years old, um, and, you know, has naturally just, you know, had that egg quality decline. However, Poor egg quality can actually happen in the younger age group as well. And it really all depends on your environment, right? So, and it, and it starts from childhood, right? From when, actually, from when you were in your mother's womb. Um, you know, how much, uh, you know, how many toxins were you exposed to in the womb? What is your mother's toxin load? Um, because that does get transferred to the baby when um, in your in utero. Uh, we want to you know think about your childhood growing up. You know what was your main diet like? What was your stress level like? Were you um, you were, were you a very active child or were you um, you know very sluggish and tired feeling? Did you have that, um, that foundational support that your body needed with proper sleep, proper, um, you know, proper diet, uh, minimizing nutritional deficiencies, um, you know, and improving things like um, detox pathways and stuff like that. So it's not just for adults, that's for children too, you know. So um, all of this starts, you know, from the time when you really had no control over it. So the things that we want to think about when it comes to egg quality are not necessarily, I mean, it's the things that are happening in the egg, right? So, um, you know, when we talk about things like mitochondria and mitochondrial dysfunction, um, you know, that could be a very good possibility um, that there are some dysfunction going on in the mitochondria um, and you I mean you might not even know what a mitochondria is so um, 
so the mitochondria are actually like little organelles that um, produce ATP, which is the um, chemical energy that's needed to power your cells' biochemical reactions, essentially. Um, so we need that mitochondria um, for ourselves to literally live um, and have the energy to divide and support your DNA um, and you know this is super super critical with embryo development that mitochondrial health um, is is um, something that we can definitely support to improve that egg quality now i want to mention to really quickly um that thyroid hormone has actually uh, a factor in how these mitochondrial function because they um, they play a role in regulating your body's metabolism, and um, that is that means like the rate at which your body uses calories. So that's that's your metabolism. But you know, there's been studies that show that thyroid hormone actually affects the mitochondrial energy production. Um, and and mitochondrial replication because we need we need those mitochondria to to replicate um, uh, but they do that by switching uh, metabolism from a glycolytic pathway to more um, efficient oxidative phosphorylation um, pathway so essentially your takeaway here is um, thyroid hormone well the active thyroid hormone, T3, um, helps mitochondria work more efficiently to uh, drive that cellular function that we need to, um, to have that, that um, proper egg quality, the good, the good egg quality. So another factor in fertility optimization is lowering oxidative stress and so the thing is, is that <laughs> the mitochondrial production of ATP actually causes oxidative stress. So a little bit of oxidative stress is fine. Your body can handle it. Um, but we add to it with, um, you know, diet and lifestyle factors. So things like um, you know, consuming a lot of nutrient devoid foods. So packaged foods that are super, super processed that have, you know, um, a lot less of the nutrients that your body actually needs to support the mitochondrial, um, function and support egg health. So things like sugar, are a huge one that causes inflammation. Um, it causes things like um, reactive carbonyl species, which uh, actually it's so sugar and oxidative stress is what creates the reactive carbonyl species. Um, but they actually like those they're um, RCSs. I, I'll call them RCSs for short because that's kind of a a long thing to say, but um, they cause damage to your DNA, they cause damage to proteins, they cause damage to lipids, 
um, and they're generated by that carbohydrate metabolism. So this is why high sugar diets are pretty detrimental to your fertility. That's not saying you need to go on a keto diet. <laughs> That's, um, but essentially, you know, getting rid of the, the packaged foods, the, the foods that are going to drive this RCS production um, is going to actually help considerably. So um, the, I mean, just, I guess I should drive home the, the RCS, like how detrimental they are to, um, to egg health. Um, and even like, uh, production of other hormones like progesterone because, um, granulosa cells are the things that are, um, responsible for making the production. But when those, like, like when we're talking about cellular dysfunction, right, it's, um, your egg cells, it's the granulosa cells, it's all of these things together. But, um, these, these RCSs, they inhibit mitochondrial respiration, which means, um, you know, your mitochondria aren't able to function properly, it um, induces apoptosis, which is literally cell death, um, and it increases ROS production, which are reactive oxygen species um, that also damaged cells by um, really like taking up a lot of your antioxidants um, in your body. So. They, these RCSs also produce what are called advanced glycolytic end products um, that build up in your ovarian tissue that lead to things like um, impaired blood flow, um, which, I mean, cellular hypoxia, <laughs> which is essentially like your, your cells are unable to um, get the proper amount of oxygen that they need to, to survive and function well. Um, they lower the cellular uptake of nutrients uh, within your follicular cells. So the those egg cells, um, super important. And they, they drive up oxidative stress. So that essentially endangers things like follicle maturation, um, chromosomal integrity, and they become super, super problematic um, and drive that uh, mitochondrial dysfunction. So, you know, oxidative stress is something that we definitely want to focus on driving down and the good thing is, is that you can do it with diet and lifestyle. You know, there are some supplements out there too that, that help um, reduce those oxidative stress. So um, oxidative, lowering oxidative stress, improving mitochondrial function. I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about that, removing those, um, those uh, packaged, pro highly processed foods that are just full of sugar. Um, that is definitely not helping your mitochondrial to function properly, but also removing toxins, right? So toxin load has a huge factor 
in, um, you know, whether or not your mitochondrial are able to function properly. So environmental toxins are, you can think of those as, um, you know, the, the most critical ones are things that are in like your personal care products, in your house, um, your household cleaning products, your laundry detergent, um, you know, the, whether or not you, um, you work in an environment that has, um, increased amount of toxins, like maybe you're, you know, you work in an environment where there's, you're around paint or you're around pesticides, you know, maybe you're a landscaper or you do a lot of gardening and you use pesticides and herbicides that are, um, you know, not natural, not, um, naturally derived. So, you know, things like that, we want to, we want to think about whether or not that has an effect on your mitochondrial function. Um, the other thing is the, um, androgens. So you, we're, we're never like, nobody ever talks about androgens and fertility in women, right? So, Androgens actually have a protective factor um, on your eggs. And so when, especially women who are, um, you know, 35, 40 years old, even even after 40, um, your androgens actually naturally will start to decline. But... The interesting thing here is that um, for women who have PCOS, their fertility essentially is actually protected in their um, later years because of the higher androgens. So here's the deal with that. Androgens have an effect on your egg quality. Um testosterone specifically is what we're talking about. Um, and it's so interesting to me that there are so many things that testosterone actually do for fertility in women, not just men, but women as well. So here we go. Testosterone, um, actually increases the follicle stimulating hormone receptor activity. Um, which, you know, the ovaries need to have that, um, they need to be able to get that signal from the pituitary with that FSH, the follicle still stimulating hormone in order to stimulate the dominant, a dominant follicle to be able to be ovulated. Um, it increases, uh, follicular insulin growth factor one. So IGF one which stimulates primary follicle growth. And so this is going to be the one follicle, right, that ends up getting ovulated. Um, this is the biggest one, the healthiest one, um, and it, it enhances that metabolic activity within, within that follicle. So again, we already talked about metabolism right? The, the mitochondria, the cellular metabolism, how important that is. Testosterone actually, um, enhances that. Uh, testosterone also stimulates 
um, early stage follicular growth. It increases early stage follicular um, stimulation, improves health of granulosa cells. We talked about those granulosa cells, which um, actually, so they surround the egg and um, produce the estrogen that's needed to signal um, the, the other cascade of hormones. And they also, granulosa cells also produce that progesterone um, from the corpus luteum after ovulation occurs. So um, go, good job testosterone for helping support all of this hormone production. Um, and uh, one more thing on that. So the testosterone improves the health of the granulosa cells, um, which uh, increases the IGF-1 and increases, um, it actually increases the response to um, stims if um, you're going through IVF. So that is actually some things that, something that um, some reproductive endocrinologists actually employ. Uh, not very often, but um, it is actually pretty helpful when it comes to IVF. So um, increasing androgens, if they're low, of course, we want to make sure that you're testing them first. You don't want to just start taking androgens um, in hopes to help optimize your fertility. This is only if you have low androgens. Um, next, we want to talk about balancing hormones. This is such a huge, huge topic, and we've done a couple podcast episodes previously on um, balancing hormones, and I just want to touch on this really quickly, though, because it does, um, you know, it is a factor in this overall fertility optimization goal. Um, so when we talk about balancing hormones, we want to look at a few different things, okay? Number one, pretty critical, is thyroid hormone. I already talked a little bit about why thyroid hormone is critical for fertility. Um, it has a huge effect on, um, you know, the, the mitochondria, the cellular metabolism. And so we need that to be, um, you know, in an optimal state, right? So thyroid hormone is, or thyroid um, production uh, is one thing that actually gets overlooked quite a bit when it comes to, um, you know, assessing somebody's fertility, especially in the conventional medicine world. TSH is the, <laughs> it's the, the one thyroid marker that is tested most often. And, um, it kind of, it blows me away that, um, there's, there's, uh, assessment or that's, that's the end of their assessment is, is with just TSH because that actually doesn't measure your, your thyroid hormones that it measures the thyroid stimulating hormone. Um, but there's no actual assessment of the thyroid itself. So a thyroid panel that includes things like um, TSH, free T3, free T4. Uh, if you've got a lot of um, stress going on and you just, I mean, you have like massive symptoms, um, thyroid symptoms, then 
Sometimes reverse T3 can be looked at to see if your T4 is getting um, pushed into the reverse T3 pathway, um, which essentially like shuts down and slows down your metabolism because you're so stressed out. That's what happens to your body sometimes. Um, but we want to also assess things like um, anti-TPO antibodies and anti-thyroglobulin antibodies, which um, can definitely affect the thyroid and production um, production of thyroid hormones. So, um, you know, the thyroid panel is super critical, important for um, uh, fertility optimization. The other thing is we want to. We want to look at the balance between estrogen and progesterone um, when it comes to like the time of ovulation. So it's the ideal time to measure estrogen and progesterone together to get that um, that balance to to be able to see that balance is um, like halfway through your luteal phase. So. If you're, if you have a typical 14 day luteal phase, you know, testing on days six or seven is ideal because that's going to be your peak progesterone production. If you have like a 10 day luteal phase, um, you know, we would want to look at why you have such a short luteal phase because um, that is definitely not um, going to be supportive of um you know, a, it's not going to allow the egg to, the fertilized egg to implant and to be able to grow before, um, your period starts essentially. Cause your, your, um, progesterone is just too low to be able to support that pregnancy. So, um, that being said, if you have like a shorter luteal phase, we want to measure it um, kind of like in, in the middle there. So day five, if you're, if you have that 10 day luteal phase, you know, day five or six, if you have like 10, 11, 12 day luteal phase. Um, and so that's, that's super important, critical too. We also want to look at some of the hormones that are measured on day three of your cycle. So one interesting thing is that day three estrogen can actually be um, an indicator of egg quality. So it's super important to actually look at that as a factor um, and so that we can actually do something about that. <laughs> um, FSH, uh, Estrogen, it's estradiol, actually, it's E2 is what we want to measure, and um, FSH on day three actually help assess in, um, help assess ovarian reserve as well. So we don't need to rely just on AMH or that um, ultrasound, the antral follicle count ultrasound. We can actually use some of these lab markers as well to get a, a better picture a better idea of ovarian reserve. Um, of course, we want to look at um, LH during the time of um, ovulation, just to make sure that there's enough of that 
um, that signal being sent out for um, to promote that ovulation and um, of course testosterone because we want to you know too high of androgens is not good too low of androgens is not good and so you know making sure we know where you're sitting um, in that in that space really actually drives the um, the protocol that you would be on so assessing all of these uh, hormone markers is super critical to being able to balance the hormones there's so many hormones that are at play it's like an incredible orchestra that happens every month and so um, you know of course hormones are one of the bigger um, things that that everybody focuses on when it comes to um, fertility however it's not the only thing that we want to look at um, the last thing I want to talk about is supporting immune balance. And um, I've actually been doing a little bit of research on this, and it's been pretty interesting to me how our immune system plays such a huge role in um, the different factors um, that come into play with infertility. So, um, you know, things like thyroid issues, Things like um, endometriosis is actually considered um, thought to be uh, autoimmune. Um, but even just, um, you know, in general, when, you're, when your immune system is on high alert, um, it's very possible that, you know, the embryo is being seen as a foreign invader. And so when you're, when you're, when your immune system is just like looking for every little thing and and on high alert for um, you know all of the anything and everything that could potentially um, you know be a foreign invader, then you know we drive a higher risk of miscarriage that way. Um, so we want to, we want to make sure that we're addressing the immune system, making sure there's a balance there, making sure that, you know, there's no food sensitivities that are, um, driving that, making sure that there's no, um, mold toxins, you know, there's usually when you have immune system imbalance, there's a tip off that, um, you know, there, there are other things that your immune system is reacting to as well. So, um, you know, if you've got, uh, if you've got, um, allergic reactions to really anything, um, whether that be environmental, whether that be foods, um, you know, assessing your immune system could be a really key player in helping to optimize your fertility as well, especially if you have experienced recurring miscarriages um, or, you know, if you've been trying to get pregnant for a long time and just haven't been able to. So um, I think I'm going to stop here because I've thrown a lot of information at you <laughs> um, and I want to give you some time to digest all of that. Um, and I, I want to leave you with this thought when you are 
in the throes of infertility, it is so easy to want to try and jump from one thing to the next. Um, and you think that, you know, giving something a week or two to, to really show or prove that it's um, working is, you know, all you're really patient enough to do, right? So I want to make sure that you completely understand that when you are doing the things that you need to do to optimize your fertility, when you're employing diet strategies, when you're employing um, lifestyle strategies, you have to let your body experience that and essentially reverse where it's at right now, okay? And that oftentimes means that you're, you're looking at three to six months or so for these strategies to actually um, really do enough to um, optimize your fertility, okay? So nothing that you do for two weeks is going to help you optimize fertility. You have to decide that the strategy you have, you have to first, you have to have a a strategy that employs all of the foundational factors, right? Um, Of fertility optimization, which is diet, which is lifestyle factors, which is um, you know, addressing the environmental toxins, you're managing um, your stress load. All of those things are absolutely critical for um, optimizing fertility and affect the things that I talked about today uh, very dramatically. Um, it doesn't, it sounds too easy, right? It sounds too easy. Yeah, okay, I just start eating differently and and I start sleeping more, and I start managing my stress better. Yeah, I, I mean, that just sounds too easy, or maybe it sounds too hard for you. Um, either way, you know, it is going to be the number one thing that you can do for your fertility, um, especially if you don't want to, um, if, if you have been going through IVF, and IVF hasn't worked for you for whatever reason, um, or if you've been struggling to get pregnant for you know any length of time, you have to give your body what it needs and remove the things that are um, acting as roadblocks. So that's what I've got for you today. I hope this is really helpful for you. If you have any questions for me or or Fran, um, you can definitely get in touch with us on Instagram, the Mind Body Fertility Podcast, or um, you can send us an email at mindbodyfertilitypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and um, can't wait for next time. And we'll see you then. Have a great day.